Morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song? Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. 
Good morning. I'd like to share with you a reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let us go to God in prayer. So please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for that message, that, that message of mercy. And Lord, this morning, that's what today's message is about with us. And we ask that you, uh, you pierce our hearts and let us remember that your mercy is greater than anything that we could ever imagine. And Lord, I ask that through this time, through the worship service as we get moving, that you keep that in the back of our minds as we, uh, as we worship you. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So we're actually going to do a song called uh, Holy Spirit. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about God's mercy. So please sing along with us. You can be seated. Tasted and seen of the sweet. 
Boys and girls, it is time for the kids' message. So come on up front. Find a seat up here on the floor. Come on up. Yeah. It's appropriate that you're running. Because we're actually going to talk about tag this morning. Have you, have you ever played tag? Raise your hand if you've played tag. Yeah. You know what, there are a lot of different ways to play tag, aren't there? Yeah. You can tag someone, say, tag, you're it, and then you run away. Have you ever played the one where when you tag someone, they have to sit down? They're out, done, game over. They can sit and wait till the end of the game. Yeah, I don't really like that one. But you know what one I do like? Freeze tag. That's a fun, fun version, isn't it? Freeze tag. So what happens when someone tags you? You have to freeze. Yes, you're running long. Someone tags you, you freeze. And then a friend can come unfreeze you, right? They can tag you. That's one way to play it. Or another way. Do you know another way to unfreeze someone? Sometimes you play where you have to crawl through their legs. Yeah, you remember that? You do? I've never heard that name. Yeah. 
I learned a new one at the last service called toilet tag. That sounds like a, you play toilet tag? Yeah, you got to get down and put it out. Somebody flushes you, and then you can get up, spin around, and take off running. That sounds like a lot. Of, I think that's my new favorite version. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Just like freeze tag, you know, it, it's all about mercy. So we're frozen, right? It's kind of like we got tagged, we're done, we're out of the game, can't move, can't do anything. There's nothing we can do. But a friend can come along and tag us or crawl between our legs, and then we're back in, right? Jesus gives us mercy just like that. You know, because the Bible says that we're sinful, and we all deserve to be out, out of the kingdom of God, done, gone. But Jesus comes and brings us mercy, and Matthew chapter 5 Verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And you know what? Just like freeze tag, Jesus comes to us to unfreeze us. We're frozen in our sin. There's nothing we can do, but Jesus comes to us. But he, he doesn't tag us or crawl between our legs, does, us, does he? No, he stretches his arms out wide, and he actually dies on the cross for us. He takes the punishment that we deserve. So that we, can, we don't get kicked out of the kingdom of heaven. We are part of the kingdom forever because we've received Jesus' mercy as he took the punishment that we deserve. So we've been unfrozen, right? So we can run around and share that mercy and love and forgiveness of Jesus with other people and help them be unfrozen too. So we don't want to be the frozen chosen, do we? No, we want to be God's unfrozen people where we share his love and his mercy with others. But you know what? We can't do it on our own, can we? We need Jesus to help us. So let's pray and we'll ask Jesus to help us. All right. You can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for being our friend, for coming to us and showing us your mercy. Help us to share it with others as your unfrozen people. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats. And remember when you play freeze tag that Jesus shows us mercy and he comes to rescue us. As they make their way back, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Ellie. Can you all say good morning, Ellie? All right, and she has offered to come up here and help me with an announcement. Ellie, you have a box in your hand. What, what is this box for? Um, rice packing for Haiti. For Haiti. And who gets to eat these? Um, Kids your age. Kids my age. Yeah. And so there's, you know, some of you know this, that we've been um, raising some funds so that we can rice pack. And uh, then we're going to send these boxes off to Haiti to Mission of Hope, a place that I've been several times. And when you see these kids receive this gift, it's amazing. It's amazing. Even though we had our fellowship feast and that's behind us, you still have an opportunity if you want to make a difference. Did you know that 216 meals can be put in this box? So we do these rice packs, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But we pack this and fill this, and we send it off. And it... it costs about $65. It's actually $64.80 if I did the math right uh, to be able to fill this. If you would like to be a part of this, if you would like to send some rice packs over to Haiti, 
we would love for you to do it. We want you to prayerfully consider it. After the service, if you were like, yeah, I want to know more about it, I'd like to do it, we're going to have somebody right outside um, here, and there'll be some boxes, you'll see them, and you can ask your questions and if you'd like to give. But there's also another event we want to talk about that's coming up on March 4th. Do you know what's happening March 4th? Rice packing. Yeah, the rice packing event itself. Did you get to do this last year, the rice packing event? Um, yes. Tell me, what, what did you think about it? I felt really good to help those kids in Haiti. Yep. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and that's what it's about. And it was so, so much fun last year. Some of you may have done it. You know, it, it's something with purpose, something with meaning, something with significance. So we want you to be thinking March 4th and in their sign-ups. You can go to the planning center. You can call the church office. A lot of different ways. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It takes a whole bunch of people. So uh, we're hoping to, to pack 80,000 and then send them off. So you could be a part of that. We'd love for you to do that. So anything else you want to say? No. Okay, then. Okay, give her a hand. Great job. So it's a really important thing, so I'd love for you to think about it, whether it's $65 to sponsor a box or come for the, the rice packing event or do both. But we do ask you to pray for those kids because it's not just rice. I've been there where the rice was delivered and the kids were eating and the gospel of Jesus was shared with them. And that's what changes a life forever. So that's what happens. Um, also, I just want to give you a really, 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 really big heads up. And I want to tell you something that I hope you know already. There is nothing more important than your spiritual growth and well-being. I'm going to say it again. I want you to hear it, not just here, but also here. There is nothing more important than your spiritual growth and well-being. And we take that so serious here is that we're putting together a spiritual growth campaign. February 26th is going to be the start of it. It's going to be a five-week emphasis, and we're going to have a couple different elements to it. We're going, to have, we're going to preach on it. We're going to teach on it in small groups, and then we're even going to have some visits that will take place during that time. It's very exciting, and we've kind of embraced this uh, little motto of the spiritual DNA. All of us are to have a spiritual DNA, and we'll talk about those words and unpack those beginning February 26th. So you want to come every week or watch it online. We want you to join a group because there's going to be somewhere around 30 groups, all different times, all different locations. So we want you to be a part of it. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'd like to lead a group. Talk to Greg, talk to myself. We'll get you plugged in for that. But that's going to be coming soon. So let me say it one more time. There's nothing more important than your spiritual growth and well-being. So be ready for that. Uh, what else? Uh, we're going we're gonna to sing a song, but then we're going to get ready for communion. So during this next song, be thinking, be praying. You know, Lord, prepare me to receive a beautiful, wonderful gift. It's a gift that's given out of love for you and me. Well, I've read the words and how you leave the ninety-nine to find the one missing feels like that was. Real. 
introduce a, a thought, a concept. Just go back 2,000 years ago. Jesus had lived 33 and a half years. He goes into Jerusalem, and things kind of go sideways, at least according to the world standards. He gets, he gets betrayed, arrested, beaten, and all this stuff is happening. But right before that, he was in this upper room, and he was celebrating 
the Passover meal. It's one that they have been doing for generations. And as he's giving out this meal, he is saying something totally different. He says, this is my body and this is my blood for your forgiveness. To connect that last song with this meal, I want you to know, you were on his mind in that upper room. He knows what you're dealing with right now. He knows the joys you have as well as the struggles. He knows the sin that you deal with uh, personally and in this world. And he gave a meal to really help you, to forgive you, to strengthen you, to encourage you. So I want you to have that framework today. That when you come forward and you receive this precious meal, know that he was thinking of you personally. And collectively, yes, the Christian church, but he was thinking of you personally. Now, in preparation for communion, we've been sharing a profession of faith, and it really talks about very important things. We're going to state what we believe about our sinfulness, about our need for a Savior, what is in this meal, and also how we desire to live a life pleasing to God. So would you join with me as we profess this faith together? I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in and through his body, the church, by regular group worship, study of God's word, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And let me just focus in real quick again on what's the most important thing. Jesus Christ came to suffer and to die and to rise again to give you and me forgiveness of sins and a victory. So may that be our joy today as we partake of this beautiful meal that God has given. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue with communion, if you have those individual communion sets, feel free to Receive those elements, believing it is the body and blood of Jesus for your forgiveness. And if you're coming forward and you have that same belief, um, just come forward in faith and receive. And if you desire either gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server, server know. May this be a very sacred time where God comes to us and loves us in a very personal way. Amen.
I'm you. 
because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, vapor in the wind still you hear me when I'm calling, Lord you catch me when I'm shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I am yours. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I am yours. Now may the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you, empower you for life, for ministry, for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Dear God, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank and praise you for always walking alongside of us. We bring before you these prayer requests. Prayers for lower blood pressure and to not be at risk of stroke or heart attack. For successful eye surgery on Wednesday. Prayers for sick children that they heal and stay healthy. Here's a fifth wedding anniversary blessing for Kirk and Deb. Let their love for each other and you, Lord, continue to grow. Continued strength for Coco through her battle with cancer. Be with her through treatments as well as her friends and family. Prayers for my dear friend Randy as he was ordained last Sunday. 
He is such a blessing to me and countless others. And we just pray that you continue to work through him in his ministry to point people to Jesus. Prayers that God will keep a lonesome mama and her two girls safe and help them feel loved. Lord, you are worthy of all honor and praise. Help us to love as you do and to act wisely so that others will be drawn to your salvation and hope. We need to build each other up and encourage each other as we give you all the glory. And let's start with the people who are right in front of us today. God, let everything we do be in line with your word. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you uh, either have a smartwatch or have seen a smartwatch? Raise your hand. Okay, so you've seen them. I like my smartwatch. It, it tells me a couple things. It tells me what time it is. So I have about 21 minutes to do the sermon. It tells me how many steps I have. And this just happens to tell me that it's now four degrees. I don't like that part. Maybe I don't want to know that it's four degrees. All right, we continue our journey on The Chosen. And maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not, but my vantage point of The Chosen, and whether it's I read it or just thought it, it has th the name itself has three dimensions to it. Number one, Jesus is the Chosen One. Chosen by God himself to be the Messiah, to be the Savior, to be our Lord, and to be our friend. Second dynamic to this or dimension is that as Jesus was doing his ministry, he started choosing people and saying, hey, you, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men and women. And, and he was doing it. And today we get introduced to a, a new one that was invited to follow. But here's the third one. And I want you to hear this as clearly as I'm able to say it. You are also chosen. From before the world even began, he chose you. He has dreams, he has thoughts, he has hopes, and he wishes that we would dance like this girl right up here. This is just like beautiful. But he calls you, and, and I hope you really hold on to that. The other thing, as uh, maybe you heard me say over the last couple of weeks, is that as I, you know, I've watched season two uh, many times, and it was a couple months ago that I came across something that said, Chosen season two was actually written with the Beatitudes in mind. So every single episode of season two is about one of the Beatitudes. Wow. And when I started looking at it, watching it, those Beatitudes like jumped off the page like more than before. So I don't know if you're doing that or follow along with us. If you don't have the app, let, talk to us. We'll help you get it. It'd be really good for you to follow. Now, what I want to do regarding the Beatitudes is give you what I call a review and a preview. 
So I'm going to go back in time and talk about where we've been and where we're going to go over the next four weeks. All right. So week number one, uh, the first beatitude was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, thor- for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now what does poor in spirit mean? Namely, it's this. Understanding that you and me and all of humanity are sinners. And we are not able or capable of doing anything because of our sin. We are truly poor. We bring nothing to the equation. The second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When people like you and me realize that we are poor in spirit, there is a sense of grief and sorrow that should happen in us. We, we should stop in our tracks and say, Lord, I, I am a sinner. I, I fall short. I, I don't do what you want me to do. And then we'll be comforted. Thirdly, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I love the definition that Greg gave was um, being meek means really power with control. And I also like to maybe bring it into the area of being humble. So you can have this power and might, but it's also just being humble. And I think that's what happens when we become aware of our poor in spirit, when we grieve and mourn. And then it leads us to the fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, when we realize we don't have it, there becomes a hunger in us for something. And according to this beatitude, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, remember what righteousness is. A right standing before God. And if the three other beatitudes have set it all up, it means you can't do it, I can't do it, somebody has to do it. And that's where they shall be satisfied. That's the second part of that. So God steps into our world and says, okay, you can't do it, but I can. I'm going to send my son. So that's really the the very first four. And it really talks about an individual transformation. That human beings, back at the time of Christ and people here in 2023, we have this individual transformation. We start seeing things as, as it really is. Poor in spirit, we mourn, you know, we're meek, we hunger. I mean, there's a change that happens inside of us that only God can actually address. So that's the first four. But then we turn the corner and we hear the last four. And I'm just going to briefly go through it. This is the one for today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if the first four is all about individual transformation, the second four is really about now what? If we're changed, now what? In fact, I'm going to say this. It affects our interaction with others. When we really get, and when God does his thing in those first four Beatitudes, And then when we start going out to other people with with what we've received from God himself, we're going to start doing things differently. We're going to start thinking differently. Our mouth is going to be different. Our actions are going to be different. Things will be transformed, and as Paul says, by the renewing of our mind and the renewing of our lives. So, beatitude number five. So week number five. 
episode number five. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now, the word that is actually used in, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, for mercy is elios. And if you connect it to the Old Testament word, which is chesed, which is a fun word to say, right? Chesed. And chesed means kindness. And so often we'll think about this mercy and kindness. And, and I wrote down a couple of thoughts about this. Sometimes we think that it's just being sympathetic. That's not enough. That's not a good descriptor. That's a good start. Sometimes we feel that having mercy is feeling sorry for somebody. That's good, but that's not enough. Or how about this emotional wave of pity where we kind of step back and go, oh, oh. That, again, is not enough. In my studies, I came across this quote. It says this. The idea and the concept and the biblical concept of mercy, it actually describes the ability to get right inside the other person until we can see things with their eyes, where we can think things with their mind, and when they feel things with their feelings. So it's really not this stand back, look over and say, oh man, that's a bummer. But this idea of mercy, elias or chesed, means actually stepping into it with a sense of love and passion. And isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, that's where mercy comes from. That's where we learn mercy. And that's where we get mercy so that we can give mercy. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I want to take you on a journey and... and You've probably heard the word doctrine before, and it can be used in, quote, the secular world doctrine, but in, quote, church, when we talk doctrine, the word doctrine needs to be connected to the Bible, because doctrine means a set of beliefs, okay, a set of beliefs, and we are not just to sit back independently and say, you know what, I think, you know, I got an idea about who God is, rather we step into the Bible and we look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. And doctrine flows out of the Bible. And you can find doctrine, a set of beliefs, woven from Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, all the way to Revelation. And there are doctrines and teachings that are just, I mean, again, beautiful and wonderful and life-changing. So I'm going to share with you two of them. One is really pertinent to our study today. The other one is very much connected to it, but different. So the first doctrine we find in the Bible is when we look at the word grace. Grace. And maybe you've heard this before, but it's receiving what we do not deserve. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of somebody graciously giving you something you didn't expect, you didn't deserve, and it just kind of comes to you and you're like, wow. Well, that's how God works, right? We don't deserve, but God loves us. And that's a beautiful story. Now, different, but yet very connected, is the idea of mercy. Not receiving what we deserve. So I want to take you on a doctrinal journey. Looking at this belief, this, this very specific belief regarding mercy. And I'm going to just share with you some Bible verses that take you on the journey so that when we're done, you look back and go, okay, 
I guess I, I, I get it now. So connected to this idea of mercy, we start off in Romans 3.23. This is really bad news, but it's part of the doctrine or the teaching. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who is part of the all? Would you raise your hand if you're part of the all? Yeah, thank you. That's you and me. And we fall short of the glory of God. That's pretty bad news, right? You want worse news? For the wages of sin is death. So those of you that raised your hand, you deserve what? Death. That's what we deserve. Yuck. Right? But now we jump to the second part of verse 23. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while there is this really bad, sobering news, there's also this really good news that there is a free gift, which is grace, right? We don't, you know, it's, he's given us something we don't deserve. He's giving it to us. But we are, he's also withholding, okay, what we do deserve, which according to Paul was death. What, a, what, a, what an important concept. So this is a doctrine. This is a teaching. This is a set of beliefs that we need to hold on to and understand. And where this becomes real is woven into John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, God wanted us to understand grace and mercy. And the best way to do it was to put flesh on. The best way to do it was to walk on this earth and to rub elbows with all kinds of people and to stay the course of grace and mercy. And he did it. And he did it faithfully. He did it lovingly. He changed the course of human history because of what he did and how he loved. Now, um, several times in the remainder of my sermon, I'm going to ask you to repeat these four words. So we're going to practice them three times. And I would hope that on the third time, we're going to be louder than we were on the first. And the phrase is this, because of his mercy. Four words. And I'll repeat it just in case you didn't get four words down. Because of his mercy. Would you repeat that out loud? Ready? Very good. That's one. That's two. Number three. All right. Be ready because it's going to come up and I'm going to look at you and I'll call you out if I don't see you saying it. Just the way it works. All right, teaching number one in this section is nothing we have done or will ever do make God, will make God stop loving us. Why? Because of his mercy. <sighs> and I'm, I'm going to tell you, the reason I'm going to repeat this, I need to be reminded. I get into trouble all the time when I forget about his mercy. And I'm going to say that's going to happen with you too. If you forget about his mercy you're going to be in trouble. So let me give you scripture, because again, the Bible is the doctrine where we get it from, right? Uh, Romans 8, 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Ready for this? Nothing means nothing. If you're sitting here saying, I got a boatload of sin. I got a really bad past. Nothing can separate his love for you. Or you might even say, you know what, Satan, he's pretty powerful. He's pretty tricky. He's tripped me up all the time. He gets in the way of all kinds of things. Nothing can separate his love for you. Why? I'm going to stay over here. They started first. This must be the brighter group. I don't know. It started trickling over. It's like the wave. I can have you all do the wave if you want. Because of his mercy, nothing will separate us from the love of God. No matter what you've done in your past, nothing will separate you. Nothing. So don't let him get in your head. Don't let him get in your heart. The devil wants to do all kinds of stuff. And you can literally just tell him, go to you know where, right? We won't go there. All right. Second one, be ready, alert, alert, okay? We are being remade into the image of Christ. How? Because of his mercy. <sighs> because of his mercy. Galatians 2, kind of one of my life verses. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is working. He's not finished. He's working. This, um, yesterday it was actually, uh, we have a ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. It is a ministry for anyone who is dealing with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And I'll just say, all of us are broken in many different ways. So this, this ministry is ready and available for anybody. And as we were sitting around the table, um, Somebody gave me a new little phrase. He says, you know what? Sometimes people in recovery, and I'll just say Jim Thielen's in recovery, right? I told you. I am a people pleaser, and anxiety sometimes hits me hard and knocks me off my feet. This person said, you know, sometimes people are on the struggle bus. In other words, you're doing really great, you're doing wonderful, and then you struggle. And you jump on the struggle bus. And I'm like, this, that's what happened this week for me. I was on the struggle bus. Fearfully wonder, wondering what people are thinking about me. Having my anxiety go up. And then, just so you know, sometimes that can affect your blood pressure. So I don't know who wrote that prayer in there. You know, maybe, that, maybe it was my wife. I don't know. But, okay, she's shaking her head. No. But it went up. I needed to be reminded that why? Yeah. Because of his mercy, he's going to attend to me. Because of his mercy, he's going to keep working with me. Because of his mercy, he's going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that glorious? So he's working. He's working. And he's powerfully at work. All right. Third thing, get ready. We get to participate in his kingdom, acts of mercy. Why? Uh, I'm going to share with you from the book of Jude. How many of you have read from Jude recently? 
I thought so. It's kind of the forgotten book. You know, we go through all of that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's really cool. Then we want to get to the really Revelation stuff. Oh, my goodness, that's pretty intense. And then right before Revelation is this Jude thing. And it's only one chapter. It seems so insignificant, but it's so significant as we try to understand his mercy and what it means for us. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And here's where the whole kingdom thing comes in. So, And have mercy on those who doubt. And then it goes a little further. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Very picturesque. But, you know, just this idea. Here's mercy, right? We've received it from God, and now we find in Jude, we are to share it with others. People who doubt. So I'm going to ask this question. How many of you have ever doubted or wondered where God was? all of our hands. And I want to tell you, for every person that raised their hand, there's 20 people, at least, in the circle of your influence that have doubted also. And according to Jude, you know what they need? Mercy. Yeah. They need mercy. Remember, reminding them that they're not getting what they deserve. Reminding them that God is at work and he wants to do something fantastic in their life. So now, maybe you've been wondering, when are we going to tie in the chosen? This is the time. Okay, we're going to tie in, we're going to show a little clip, and then briefly talk about it. So as I mentioned, a new disciple comes along the way according to the chosen and their version. It's in the Bible too. Simon the Zealot. And zealots were people who were so passionate against the Roman oppressors that they would go for training, and they would learn the art of war, in order to kill the Roman oppressors. So a little hint, they're not thinking mercy. They're thinking revenge. But Simon the Zealot meets Jesus and his world literally is turned upside down. So let's watch this. Why Jesse? Why my brother out of everyone? The man suffered unspeakably for 38 years. It's a long time. And how else could I get your attention? My attention? Your order trained you to be fearless, no? No Lord but God to the death. What I did with your brother, it's not the last of the trouble I intend to cause. You are Messiah, aren't you? Yes. I will do anything you ask. I ask you to understand the nature of my mission, Simon. Yes. How? Hmm. How indeed? It's not so easy with distracted humans, hmm? I have trained for years for this. I am ready to execute your mission today. We'll see. Show me your weapon. 
impressive. That is something. Didn't see that coming. You have no use for that. I have a better sword. You'll see. We have much to discuss. Just be patient. You've been quite a week. Without my secret dagger, why do you need someone like me? I have everything I need. But I wanted you. But why? You're not alone in misunderstanding. But not to worry. I'm preparing something to share with the world. For now, wanting you by my side will have to be enough. No one buys their way into our group because of special skills, Simon. Rabbi. Yes, Simon. After what you did at the pool during a high holy feast day, there may be some who might try to stop you. Hmm. Even some from my former order, especially if they find out you have a different mission. And what are you going to do? Stop them? Well, I would be more likely to if you hadn't thrown my secret dagger in the river. <laughs> well, if that day comes, I guess we'll find out. Quite the conversation. When I heard you chuckle, I chuckled too. You didn't see that coming. Sometimes that's exactly how God works, right? We're so blinded by things. I just want to share with you a couple quotes that were spoken up there that I think have significant spiritual truth. So example, Jesus said, I have everything I need. And then I didn't put on there, but the second part of it, but I wanted you. And I told you earlier, it perplexes me. I'm befuddled. Why would, he, why would he want to use somebody like me for kingdom work? I don't get it. But the Bible's clear. He wants to use you and me. So don't be sitting there thinking, uh, when I point a finger, there, I'm pointing to the person in back of you. This is actually, if I could, I'd point to all of you and say your name, because that's what it is. Jesus would say, I have everything I need, and I wanted you. And then he goes like this, wanting you by my side will have to be enough. And I was thinking about that just in a theological sense. Um, spending time with Jesus is so important. And if you haven't done it or if you don't do it, if you don't know what that means, I encourage you to, to ask somebody, come and talk to us. And we'd love to tell you what that means and looks like. Example, coming to church like this is one way to do it. But there's other ways. There's other ways to do it, and we'd love to explain that. So be near Jesus. And then thirdly, no one buys their way into our group because of special skills. That just hit me. He uses ordinary to do the extraordinary. He uses ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. 
And I think the tool that he wants us to use, one of the tools, is not that dagger like Simon the Zealot had, but this is what we find in James chapter 2. For there will be no mercy to those who have shown no mercy. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy towards you will win out over his judgment against you. Um, another version will say it very cl clearly, right? Mercy triumphs over judgment. So here's the challenge I just want to put before you today. Think of people in the circle of influence right now. Family, friends, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, uh, people you bump into, whatever. And ready for this one? Even your enemies. People that you can't stand. I believe God is calling you and me to show mercy. And I'll tell you, too often, we jump on the judgment thing. If somebody doesn't match up with our thinking, we judge them up and down, you know, all day long. Can you imagine, I mean, let me back up for a second. The church is known for being judgmental at times. Can you imagine if we would be known more for mercy than judgment? Can you imagine if mercy became more of a reality in people like you and me? Wow. Honestly, wow. So I'm going to pray that you and me, we would be faithful with this calling of mercy. Because remember, it goes like this. It starts up there with God, comes down to somebody like me, and it's supposed to go out like this. Okay? Okay? I could have you say the more biblical word like amen. Okay, amen. I just wanted an okay or two. That's good. Let's stand. Let's stand. And we're going to share the Apostles' Creed. This is a statement of what we believe. This is the power that enables us to be merciful to other people. Let's share it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus well, He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you 
and sing this song to my final breath. Let the weight of this world go. Gonna be no tears, gonna be no pain. When I see that smile on my Savior's face, I won't be walking, I'll be running home. He called my name, yeah, and he stole my shame. Everything changed when I came running home. Out of the door, into his arms. No more running away, I'm running home. 
his pain he listened patiently as long as it takes and you whisper truth over the lies the words that bring me back to life everything's gonna be strange 